Welcome back to another edition of the Designated for Assignment podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod on our personal accounts, Rob Wong 34 at jgoldberg12. What a week it was. What a weekend it was for the Toronto Blue Jays, Josh, as they have won five in a row. They sweep away the Angels in LA in an absolutely wild series it's always wild when they head out west you just never know what you're going to get and historically i mean the blue jays just haven't done particularly well uh when they go to the west coast and you've got an angels team coming into this series what they were like 10 games over 500 otani's crushing the ball mike trout's doing mike trout things and the angels look like a sneaky terrible team like all weekend their bullpen was bad their defense was horrific. Like Otani and Trout, they got theirs from time to time. We saw it in the series finale with uh, Shoei Otani hitting two home runs, one off uh, Jose Barrios uh, in a tough start. And we'll get to that coming up momentarily. But uh, hey, as we've said all season long, it's not how, it's how many. And here are the Blue Jays now having won five in a row, their longest win streak of the year and their uh, first sweep of the season. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy week because like we recorded last Monday, I think, as they were about to play St. Louis and then they lost that game in pretty rough fashion. And it was just like, oh, boy, you know, you're just like considering some, especially after Sunday against Cincinnati, you're just like, oh, this is a tough road trip. And then they reel off five in a row and they have a five and one uh, road trip and they're in a really good position and they won some games in the more conventional sense. A lot of times more on the back of the offense. Like today was the first really gaudy offensive game in, in really a long time. Like they haven't scored double digit runs uh, very often. I believe this is the most uh, the, their highest uh, output in a game uh, this season. I don't think they've scored more than uh, 11 runs in, in a ball game this season and the at bats were good. Like I talked last week about, you know, with runners at scoring position, the, the process was shitty and the results were shitty. The process was a lot better this week. Like there are a lot of really good at bats, especially in this angel series, but in that second game, uh, I thought as well against St. Louis and it led to some results and you weren't going to hit a buck 85. We said this last week, we've been saying it for a couple of weeks. You weren't going to hit that badly with runners in scoring position. Even if the approach was, was still bad, you were probably going to find yourself locking into some hits to, to be above the Mendoza line. But that this is what we were talking about, where the lineup just kind of feeds into itself and you have guys turning the lineup over and you have guys coming up in big spots. And even without, like, it's wild that, you know, Vladdy didn't play today. Tay Oscar didn't play in the starting lineup and they still found a way to score 11 runs and, and get the job done. And this is a win that, uh, you know, didn't look likely at very po- at, at various points, looked likely at, at other various points, definitely the wildest game of the year and heading into an off day and then a, a home stand against the uh, AL central and the white Sox and the twins, such a big momentum boost to get this win today. Yeah, nothing against uh, a guy like Andrew Vasquez, but when he's coming out in the sixth inning, it yeah, uh, sort of feels like the white flag at that point for Charlie Montoyo and company. We know the bullpen has been used so, so much, not even just uh, the last week here. I mean, Jordan Romano aside, but uh, the whole season, because the Blue Jays just keep playing these tight ball games. Go figure. Like you said, they score 11 runs, their highest output of the season, and they're still only yeah. winning by one run. It's crazy. Uh, because they just find themselves in these situations time and time and time again. But but uh, they keep doing it. Most wins in all of baseball in uh, one run affairs so far this season. So uh, once again, it's not how it's uh, how many and the Blue Jays now improve to uh, 27 and uh, 20 on the season. So 
we could really talk about like this entire game. I mean, there's so many storylines that came out of it. Uh, but as you talked about, I mean, the bats doing it again at 20 for 50 with runners in scoring position in just this series alone against the angels in these four games. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, regression to the mean has uh, swung back quite a bit for the blue Jays. But as you talked about, just the at-bats overall were a lot better. I mean, you know, here and there, there were still the occasional at-bats where the blue Jays are swinging out of their shoes or, you know, they got runners in scoring position and, you know, they're swinging at pitches that just are not hittable. Uh, I think I saw uh, a stat on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was, if I uh, quickly look it up from uh, James and T.O. about Santiago Espinal, who, uh, you know, sometimes you're like watching it and you're like, okay, I feel like there's something here. And you try to come up with the stat in your head. And then I saw it immediately uh, on Twitter from uh, James in Toronto, but it was uh, surrounding uh, Santiago Espinal, who uh, has just not been particularly good uh, with regards to, you know, runners in scoring position with uh, two outs. He's 0 for his last 18, uh, 12 of those times, there have been multiple runners on base. And, you know, it just felt like uh, he has been really struggling uh, in that spot. Obviously moved up to the two hole the, the last week here as Charlie Montoya was trying to find a spark. Now the Blue Jays have won games. And I guess in that case, you're not shaking things up too much because you keep on winning and uh, it's the old, well, if it's not broke, uh, don't break it situation here. But, you know, it starts to feel like Espinal's getting a little overexposed here uh, in that two spot. Uh, you've got, you know, Lourdes Goriel Jr. heating up. You've got Bo Bichette hit a homer today. He's heating up. Teoscar looked pretty good in his uh, few at-bats. You would think he's coming around. Is it time to, you know, hit the reset button once again and, and move Espinal out of that two spot because you've got some guys that are starting to heat thing, heat, heat up a little bit here? Yeah, like I, I thought that it was um... – you know, not the worst move uh, in the world, considering the state of affairs for a brief period. But like, as much as we we have praised Espinal this year, because how could you not? He's been excellent. He's not a number two hitter. I, I just, I, I can't say it any other way. He's just not a number two hitter. Like he's, he's a solid enough uh, major league hitter and a quality major league player because of what he can do on the base pass and obviously with the glove. But like you don't want him coming up in those spots where it should be the best hitter on the team or one of the best hitters on the team. And he's not one of the best hitters on the team. Like when everyone is humming or more guys are humming, he, that's just not his role. Like he's just not that type of player. He's, his contact skills are usually pretty good. And you would think, oh, well, you know, with runners on base, that might be something that fits. Maybe he's pressing a little bit, pressed into that type of spotlight and, and duty. Perhaps that's a bit of an issue. I just don't think that it's something that is is you should be doing, really. Like, I understand you don't, like you said, you don't fix what's not necessarily broken. But, like, I, Espinal hasn't really been swinging a good bat over the past couple of games. Like, it hasn't been um, something that, uh, like, he's been a catalyst in some of the things that have gone right here. Like, I don't think you disrupt much if you tinker the lineup and put him back down to a lower leverage spot where he's batting fifth or sixth. I feel like sixth is, is really the sweet spot for him. Like, and that's a pretty good bump because you were thinking, you know, maybe when he did play, he'd be the nine hit or the eight hit or something like that. And he deserves to bat, I think fifth or sixth. I'd like to see him bat sixth. I think the experiment in the top third leadoff with Springer not playing or certainly second, I think that ship is sailed, and I think it's time to move on from that. 
Now, he did have an on-base streak uh, going. I think it was 22 games in a row where he reached base, and today that was snapped after going 0 for 6. And if you take out the on-base stuff uh, aside and you just want to look at hits, I think he's 3 for his last 30 since being yeah, put into the 2 spot. So, you know, it's just uh, feels like time to uh, make a quick adjustment here, and he's easily a guy that you can move out of that spot. If you want to go back to Bo Bichette, you want to go somewhere else, uh, I'm totally fine with that. But uh, the optimal Blue Jays lineup. I don't think uh, it includes Santiago Espinal hitting second in this lineup. But, you know, you talked about uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's heating up, uh, as we mentioned. Always seems to find his way as we get later into the season. I know you put out the stats of his career by month, and April and May tend to be just horrific. horrific. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., like yeah. absolutely horrific. Like, I yeah. don't know why we felt like this should be any different yeah. that, you know, the numbers that he was putting up at the start of the season were just like completely out of the norm. This is what he does. This is who he is for the first two months of the season. He's absolutely horrendous. And then for whatever reason, he just finds his way. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's the whole, you know, I need a certain amount of at-bats to finally figure things out. But uh, a couple of big hits this uh, weekend to drive in some runners. Uh, drew a couple of bases loaded walks in the series finale. Uh, pretty impressive stuff from uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who was batting seventh in the uh, lineup today, driving in five runs in the Blue Jays' 11-10 win over the uh, LA Angels. But, you know, as we mentioned, Matt Chapman swinging the ball or swinging the bat well, just not getting any uh, luck out of it. Just overall, I mean, th this offense, when you try to construct this lineup, because, you know, I see a, a listener question that we'll get to later, uh, but the optimal, well, what, what do you think we're looking at here when Charlie Montoyo is writing out his lineup starting uh, Tuesday when the Blue Jays come home to take on the White Sox? So, I like, optimal for me is obviously Springer 1. I think Vladdy 2, I'd like to give it a, more of an opportunity. I'd, I'd like to see him, you know, get some runway. Uh, in that situation, I'm okay, like, I'm okay with Bo batting third personally. Like I, I think that he's been much better uh, of late. He had some good at bats today. Even I think it was uh, in the ninth there against uh, bear claw. He battled eventually struck out, but worked the count fast spoiled a couple of pitches. He's had a good month. That works. I'm still riding with Tay Oscar in the cleanup spot. Like I, I know that there's been some, well, send him down and maybe you can channel 2019 all over again get the fuck out of here with that. Like we're not doing that. Like he's, he's, you got to ride with him. You just got to continue to be confident that he's going to find his stride. I, I think, you know, when, then, then Espinal, if you want to bat him fifth, that works. And then Lourdes six Chapman seven, and then, you know, or, or Kirk seven, I suppose you can bat Chapman eight. Kirk has been really good as well. Like Jansen, there are a lot of good options now. Like uh, now that it seems like more guys, uh, are finding their stride, certainly over the last couple of games. You could try a couple of different uh, configurations, but I, I do think that it is interesting that there hasn't been uh, that much continuity with the lineup. They haven't performed necessarily to necessitate or to deserve that level of continuity because when you're hitting like shit, you're going to throw the, the order in a blender, and that's probably been part of the reason. Maybe you stick a little bit with what you had going this weekend since it worked, and 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 continue with it. But I don't want to see that because that would mean Espinel batting second. So uh, I, I think, you know, Vladdy batting second, I'd like to see that be given an opportunity and see how it ends up shaking out.
Yeah, the catchers have definitely made things interesting because uh, Alejandro Kirk has been on fire for a while now. And Danny Jansen, aside from, you know, a little stretch when he first came back off the oblique injury, has just been destroying the baseball. Uh, the guy uh, has, uh, you know, I think he has the same amount of strikeouts as he does home runs uh, on the se- season. He's got six Ks and he's got six dingers. Like he's just uh, on an unreal tear. Uh, and, you know, we did see Charlie Montoyo try to bat him fifth. On Saturday, you know, didn't work out. He went uh, 0 for 5. But I like the idea that, hey, this guy is swinging a hot bat. We need to score some runs here. Our offense has been up and down. Might as well give him a shot. Uh, It didn't work out for that one game. But I think what's exciting now with guys starting to come around is that Charlie Montoyo actually has legitimate options. You know, he tried Espinal. It didn't work. He can, you know, put him back down to the bottom third of the order. But, you know, Jansen and Kirk and Bichette's been going for a while. And if Lourdes is coming around and Teoscar's back, I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want. And it kind of gets us back to where we were coming into the season, where we thought of this offense as one of the most talented lineups in all of baseball. And it's like, you've got, you know, up and down, uh, one to nine, you know, just a threat uh, all around. And it's nice that we can finally start having having this conversation again whereas for a while it was what the fuck is going on with these guys and like espinal's batting too and it's like sure like let's try it like now it feels like we're back to a bit of normalcy here where we can actually start slotting in players into proper spots um and just you know just gives charlie montoyo so much more options i mean today was just a cluster because you know vlad gets scratched with the sore wrist where they plan to give teoscar a day off and he gets into the game and you had Biggio, Tapia, and Zimmer all in the lineup today against the lefty. Eventually it worked out because the Angels' bullpen is pretty trash and Sandoval was not particularly good today. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, go figure, right? Uh, on all the days where you saw the lineup pregame, I saw people joking about, you know, uh, good luck to the Angels and congrats on your uh, combined no-hitter because the Blue Jays just did not field a particularly good lineup. But they figure it out and they uh, put up their 11 runs, the highest output of the entire season so the lineup the offense is starting to uh, click of course the rotation's been great pretty much all season long except for one guy who's been up and down and he was down again today and that is jose barrios Mm. who did not make it out of the third inning josh gave up six runs on six hits a walk one strikeout gave up a pair of dingers as well in this ball game and my goodness it's a situation now where you know, before you thought, okay, you know, you got to give him some time. He's figuring things out. Uh, him and P Walker obviously uh, worked on, I think it was, you know, he was maybe tipping his pitches and, you know, he did have a, a start recently where it looked a little bit better. Uh, the process did. Uh, it was against the Mariners, uh, albeit uh, seven innings, gave up no earned runs, still only had four Ks in that one. Last week against St. Louis was, you know, decent. Won six and a third, gave up three earned runs while striking out seven. But it really is the lack of whiffs that is yeah. just really puzzling. And I mean, the Angels are not a, you know, well-disciplined team. Like they have the third highest strikeout rate in all of baseball um, at 24%. And today, just four whiffs for Jose Barrios and like on a scale of one to 10, I, I might be at like an eight right now yeah. uh, with a level of concern with Barrios. You know, it's the fastball's never been amazing. He doesn't have, you know, a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball tends to sit 93, 94, sometimes touches 95. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, previously he was able to get swings and misses on the breaking ball and just not getting anything uh, these days. <laughs> Pete Walker, he's a magician and uh, we know what he can do with a lot of people. We saw it with Yusei Kikuchi, but uh, man, Jose Barrios, just an absolute enigma right now. Yeah, I'm concerned uh, for sure. I-, I would call it, 
seven, seven out of 10, maybe an eight as well. It's like I talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. If his fastball is bad, he's bad. And his fastball sinker combination four seam two seam have just been bad a lot this year. Like he just has been getting lit up routinely with it. So many rockets off of that pitch. And when you just don't have that foundational pitch in your arsenal, your off-speed stuff is just not going to be able to do as much. That's how really a lot of pitchers operate. If they have good command of that primary pitch, which is always the fastball for the overwhelming majority of pitchers, then that enables you to mix in your off-speed stuff off of that and play off of it and mess with hitters timing and, and be deceptive in terms of velocity and arm angle and all of that stuff. And he just is not able to do that because his fastball just isn't good. And you have pit, uh, hitters who are more likely to spit on those curveballs, those breaking balls. It's just everything just doesn't look right. Uh, his velocity was down today. I think almost two miles an hour is like down an average of, I think, 1.6 miles per hour from what he's done this season, which is disconcerting as well. Is there something nagging at him a little bit? I, there are no easy answers here. The only thing you can hang your hat on is that while well, he's had a great track record of success and consistency and health in his career. Um, so maybe it is injury. It, it might be easier if it is some kind of nagging type of obviously knock on wood. If it's a minor injury and he needs to miss a start or two, and then you can kind of just reset a little bit. But if he isn't injured and it's just, well, he's just not pitching well then you have to really look hard in the mirror and, and figure out what it is that needs to be done to get him more consistent with that fastball. And, you know, the Jays are in a tough spot. If he isn't pitching well, that really shrinks the rotation because, like, Ryu, say what you will. He's been effective since he came back. He misses no bats. That's not something I, I would feel great about. Kikuchi, you talk about enigmas. That's definitely one as well. You never know what you're going to get. It's a Forrest Gump situation with him. Uh, every start, you have no idea. And then you've got your two horses at the top. So there are three question marks now, I would say, to some degree in the rotation. Like, I don't think it's hair on fire, sound the alarm situation, but it's reason for concern, especially when it comes to uh, Brios. Yeah, it is just so weird because, as you said, this guy has a track record. He's been playing uh, at the MLB level since 2016. Uh, I mean, it's not like he just showed up here two or three years ago and you're like, okay, maybe those first couple of years were, you know, not, uh, you know, sort of the outlier and this is what he truly is. And, you know, I think if we're being realistic, you look at some of his, you know, previous underlying numbers, you know, 2017, he had uh, an XFIP of four and a half and coming into today, that's what he had. Uh, so he's done this previously. He's, you know, sort of outpitched his ERA predictors, but it's really just the whiffs and the strikeouts that are just so puzzling. Like not many guys go from, you know, being a mid twenties strikeout percentage guy to all of a sudden being 16%, like being Kyle Hendricks. Like this just doesn't make any sense. No. Like there's, you know, the fastball, like you said, was down today, but you know, overall on this overall in the season, it's 93.8, which is 0.2 from where it was last year, he averaged 94 miles an hour in the fastball. So, you know, taking a look at his baseball uh, savant page, seems like the spin rates have been, you know, pretty similar to years past. So it's just, yeah, really bizarre as to what's going on here uh, with Jose Barrios. Is there a phantom IL stint on the horizon? You know, maybe just to give him a mental break. Like I know I said before, like he hasn't been terrible every time out. He had a nice start against the Mariners and he was okay last week against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, but 
you know, more often than not, it's just, you don't know what you're going to get from them. And this is year one of seven of uh, an extension with uh, Jose Barrios. And if he keeps going this way, he's not opting out of that extension. either. No. He's oh, uh, riding this out oh, till year number God. seven. If he continues yeah. to pitch that way. Um, yeah. Very, very uh, weird. What's going on with Jose Barrios. And uh, if you know, the blue Jays knew what it was, they am sure they would have fixed it by now. And maybe they're still working on it because we saw it with you say Kikuchi took him a while to make those changes. And he's been sensational. So, you know, maybe it's on the horizon. If, if you know, P. Walker can fix uh, Yusei Kikuchi and Robbie Ray and so many others, he'll uh, probably be able to figure things out with Jose Barrios. But uh, the alert level is very, very high at this point with regards to Mr. Barrios. The uh, bullpen today, uh, you know, hits and misses. The, the back end was pretty good with uh, Jimmy Garcia, David Phelps shutting it down in the eighth and ninth. Uh, Adam Simber with a rare uh, homer to a right-handed batter max dassey who uh, has a career slugging percentage against righties coming into today of 393 Crazy. so uh pretty rare that you would uh, see a situation like that uh, shout out to andrew vasquez who was pretty solid as well uh but a couple of guys stood out in the wrong way this weekend in this series against the angels and ryan barucki today was just uh, atrocious just did not have yeah. uh, any command of any of his pitches gave up a home run uh, to taylor ward and julian merriweather the other night now I look, I'm not going to say it was his fault entirely because he probably shouldn't have been in that game at all in that spot facing Shohei Otani and facing Mike Trout uh, when the Blue Jays are trying to cling to a one run lead there just did not make any sense, uh, especially when David Phelps, who closed today's game, who closed today's game, came in in the sixth inning to face the bottom of the order the previous inning uh, just did not make any sense for me uh, with regards to uh, Charlie Montoyo's decision making there. But Ryan Barucki. Julian Merriweather, two guys that have just struggled all season long. What are you doing here uh, with these guys, Josh? I mean, you know, you look at down to the minors. I know a lot of people are clamoring for a guy like Adrian Hernandez, who just continues to strike out the world, but he's not, you know, a high nineties fastball guy. He works off deception has, you know, some pretty nasty off speed stuff, but you know, if we're looking for alternatives, I mean, they're not, there's not a ton. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, you know, Julian Merriweather, Ryan Baraki deserve to stay. I think at the very least, Baraki, this might be the end of the line, especially when Tim Meza comes back uh, very shortly. But what are you doing uh, with these two guys? I think you got to kind of cut bait a little bit. I, I don't, you can't be rolling these guys out in any situation. Um, I was talking to our pal, Caitlin McGrath, and we were just like kind of saying that, you know, Merriweather, just like what situation are you, are you putting him in? Like if they're ups or down six runs, is that really it where the game is, is not in, in the balance anymore. And if that's the answer, then why is he on the roster? If you don't trust him in any sort of situation, you can't have him on the roster. He's dead weight and, and you got to get rid of him. And if, like, if somebody wants to take a chance on him, go for it and, and see if you can get anything, but he throws a straight fastball and his off-speed stuff has just completely evaporated. The sticky stuff I think is probably the culprit, but when you throw a hard and straight fastball that does nothing, it's going to get its ass absolutely crushed. And that's exactly what has been happening to him you know, really for dating back to last season as well. And Baraki, I don't really know what the situation there. Does he just not trust his stuff? Is there not enough conviction? He had the goggles on today. You don't can't have that excuse anymore that he was, you know, blind as he was out there. I'm not going to use that excuse anymore. 
like I, you know, Hernandez down at the minors. Sure. If you wanted to give him a shot, I don't know if that's necessarily something that would uh, be all that successful. Jeremy Beasley has pitched pretty oh, nicely God. at triple a, but like, he stunk. He stunk the joint up something fierce last year. So I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. The answer inevitably is a trade because or Nate Pearson, but I, I, it's a lot to put on Nate Pearson to just expect him to come in and, solidify the bullpen and be blowing guys away. Maybe that happens, but I I don't know if you can necessarily count on that. And it's hard to make deals at this stage of the season. Are you going to overpay for a reliever? Maybe like you, you, you certainly could end up doing that. I, I just don't think that there are any easy internal answers or quick fixes or solutions. Jimmy Garcia pitching better is certainly one and he's missed more bats of late and he, uh, you know, struck, uh, I can't remember, it was a lefty, 97 there to get out of the inning in, in the eighth. More of that is good. He would be him striking out more. Trevor Richards had a good week. Stuff like that is good, but the bullpen is what it is. It's going to be inconsistent. When you have guys who are inconsistent at best with their ability to strike out batters at, at a good clip, you're going to live and die by the sword sometimes. And until you have an infusion of gas and guys who can miss bats, you just live with the results, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, you touch on it with Merriweather. The guy is just uh, giving up a ton of hard contact. And that fastball is just so straight right now. And the off speed is just irrelevant. I mean, yep. like everybody just spits on it. Like yep. nobody even tries to uh, concern themselves with the change up or the slider or the curveball. Like uh, it's really, they just sit fastball and they just wait for it to come into the zone and then they just hammer it. And we saw Mike Trout do that the other night, uh, you know, with, Ryan Barucki. I'm surprised. I got a lot of traction on my tweet just saying that uh, I think this is the end of the line for Ryan Barucki as a blue jay. Uh, I guess uh, a lot of people had uh, opinions on it, good and bad. But, you know, this guy's been in the organization, I think, for like 11 years. I mean, drafted by the team, developed by the team. There was a time where, you know, you thought he was going to be a back end rotation piece. And even just a couple of years ago, when it looked like he potentially was going to be Andrew Miller. 2.0 2.0 throwing 97 from the left side, multiple inning guy. And, you know, you talk about sticky stuff, you know, maybe that is, you know, something that has kind of gone awry uh, for a guy like Brian Barucki as well. But uh, it's just a spot right now where, you know, the process is not matching the numbers at all. Like, you know, it's great that he, you know, is getting some whiffs on his uh, stuff from time to time, but, you know, he's also walking a bunch of guys uh, the hard contacts there. We saw it today with that Taylor Ward homer. Like the last couple of years, it's now uh, almost, you know, 29, 30 innings. And the ERA is like well, well above like seven. Yeah. Uh, it's not particularly good uh, for Ryan Baraki. So, you know, it's sad to say, like I said, because he's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, you're still kind of like holding on. And I feel like, you know, if he had to go through waivers, probably going to get claimed somewhere. I mean, you don't find too many guys that you know, have the type of arm that he has from the left side. And maybe someone feels like, Hey, uh, we can turn him around, but uh, just with this blue Jays team right now, you're trying to win ball games. You're not trying to work on projects at this point, Uh, you know, bringing in him today. I get it because your bullpen is spent and you're hoping that he can get out some lefties. And that just wasn't the case, but just feels like it's time. uh, Unfortunately for a guy like him. Yeah, no options puts you in a bind and maybe you do work out a deal, but like you can't live the, the play the options game. I, I, I hate that when you're a contending team, I understand you don't want to lose an asset for nothing, 
try and exhaust every option that you can to extract some value. If you determine that the player no longer can get the job done for you or has any value to what you're looking to do right now. And maybe you do reach that point. The Jays do reach that point now or very soon with Ryan Barucki and you can figure it out. But if you can't, and it's just like, oh, well, we're going to continue to carry him and hope that he works it out because we don't want to DFA him and, you know, they don't want to lose him uh, for nothing. That's a, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, if you feel as though you have somebody better internally and it means exposing Ryan Barucki to waivers and somebody else can take a claim on him, so be it. Like, I, is Ryan Barucki, are you really feeling like Ryan Barucki is going to morph into a dominant reliever or a, above average reliever? And if he does it, I hope he does. He's a, he, he's a, you know, a, by all accounts, a very good dude and you know hopefully he can find some level of major league success but it's looking increasingly unlikely that it's going to happen here yeah not uh the greatest thing to uh talk about uh with regards to his future but uh right now the blue jays are looking to win games and they need guys that can get the job done and that is not the case right now for a guy like ryan Rocky. One more uh, bullpen thoughts, and we saw Jordan Romano pitch uh, three games in a row. Uh, did not look great uh, in that third and uh, final day. Uh, came out of the bullpen, and the first fastball was 93. Uh, the next one was 94, and the next one was 95. I guess it just took him a little bit to warm up, but pretty clear that he had nothing uh, left in the tank after pitching the previous two days, and you know, once again, sort of the state of the bullpen that, you know, Charlie Montoya was just so stretched right now, and I don't know, you know, people talk about sometimes that managers kind of deliver messages through like some of the lineup decisions and some of the moves that they make in game. I don't know if that was a cry for help to Ross Atkins in the front office being like, you got to get me somebody else because otherwise I'm going to use Jordan Romano three days in a row. Not saying that they were negligent and, you know, they were putting Jordan Romano out there because his arm was about to fall off. Like, obviously, they're not trying to injure the guy. But, you know, it was interesting that they felt that they needed to go to him again uh, for a third day in a row, even though it was pretty clear he was pitching at what, like 40 percent capacity? Yeah. Like it was not remotely close to what we normally see from Jordan Romano. Yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled to see him back out there. And you can tip your cap to a competitor saying that he's ready to go, but. It just goes to show, especially without Mesa. I know Mesa against righties, but still, you know, Mesa's proven to be able to pitch and leverage. He's available. Then maybe it's he, him not being available really shrinks this bullpen. Like get well soon, Tim Mesa. The Jays need you real bad. And it's just, yeah, I, I, I was really puzzled by it. Like, the decision to use Merriweather, you talked about that last night. That was that was rough. There were a couple. Charlie Montoya had a pretty decent week. There were some good pinch hitting decisions. He also had some egregiously awful decisions. The St. Louis stuff, not using Romano because uh, you know it's not a safe situation, and just leaving your best reliever on the bench and allowing Baraki to pitch to Paul Goldschmidt yeah. and all of that. You know that's that was bad. There were some good moments as well. Going to Romano three straight days when he's never done it before and. Like it's not a knock on him. It's really difficult to be a high leverage reliever pumping a hundred or, or high nineties, three straight days. Your arm needs a break. Eventually it just, it, it's difficult to do. And it just speaks to how I think overall thin this blue Jays bullpen is in some respects, especially when it comes to the highest of high leverage. And it kind of harkens back to the inability 
to really win blowout games by more than four or five runs. You're even if you know you have a multiple run lead, it's still condensed and you know it's a two, three run lead. You're still using your leverage guys. And then you're just left in a position where you don't have that much left in the tank. And that kind of almost came back to bite them in the ass on Saturday. Kudos to Ross Stripling. I was not expecting him to get the job done. He got the save, but uh, they need another, at least one arm. And you know, David Bednar, I continue to say David Bednar, <laughs> David Bednar, David Bednar. <laughs> Hopefully that they can figure some way to acquire that level of impact. But until they do, like I said, there are going to be some some bumps in the road for this bullpen. It's just the way that it is. Yeah, and uh, as you said, maybe Nate Pearson is that guy that can come in and help solidify things. They don't need him to necessarily be, you know, super high leverage. You know, Jimmy Garcia, as you mentioned, has started to pitch a lot better. You know, David Phelps is always a guy that you can rely on. Adam Simber, you know, Trevor Richards' changeup was looking pretty disgusting uh, over the weekend. So, you know, maybe he's starting to come around a little bit after some ups and downs. So. At the end of the day, they still need more help with the bullpen. This is not a finished product. And, uh, you know, there's still some holes that uh, need to be filled. But uh, there are some guys on the mend on the on the way back to the team. And uh, maybe they can help things out so that Jordan Romano doesn't have to pitch three days consecutively and uh, look just absolutely tired and worn out on the mound against the Angel. Sorry, right, let's get to some listener questions. As always, you can reach us at... DFA underscore pod. Greg wants to know, why don't the Jays have a consistent batting lineup? I know they are struggling, but Jansen has a two-run homer game, and then he's not playing the next game. I know he just recently got off the IL, but still would think you want that bat in the lineup as much as possible. That is a very good question from Greg Josh. You know, the Blue Jays have obviously been searching for a consistent lineup because the lineup has been pretty terrible for the most part this year, especially of late. But uh, this week it has started to turn around. And as we touched on, maybe moving forward here, we're going to start seeing a uh, more consistent lineup, but you know, Danny Jansen uh, is someone that Greg brought up, you know, why is he having a strong game the night before and not playing the next day? You know, part of that is because they only have two catchers yeah. now. They're not carrying three catchers yeah. anymore. And Charlie Montoyo, we see it do from time to time where, you know, he'll have Kirk catching and Jansen DHing or vice versa. And with the way these two guys are going right now, I mean, I do not blame you for trying to get both of their bats uh, in the lineup. But, you know, unless uh, they bring in a third catcher again, whether it's Zach Collins or whoever, um, you know, I can't see them doing that uh, too often because, you know, Teoscar uh, is healthy again, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Bo Bichette, Vlad, George Springer, those guys are going to need days in the DH spot too. Um, so with regards to Jansen, it's very specific, same with Kirk, but as we touched on, I just think moving forward here with the lineup starting to come around, we're going to get back to, you know, guys being in their consistent spots for a long period of time. Yeah, and, and uh especially if Tay Oscar and Lourdes can get going and Lourdes I think is going now Tay Oscar you know, came in today uh, on Sunday had a had a nice uh, single little things like that I just refuse to believe that he's just all of a sudden had his talent evaporate and he can't hit anymore he'll get hot he has enough of a sample size of being a really good major league hitter and a great power hitter that he'll find it. And once he does and Lourdes continues hitting, then this lineup's complexion is completely changed. And I think you'll see guys in a pretty consistent rhythm as far as where they're batting uh, in the order. But I agree with Jansen. I would have 
been, uh, you know, more than okay with him in the lineup. The two catcher situation is definitely valid, but uh, it speaks to, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't push those buttons because of uh, a positional conundrum. Sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind a little bit. And you feel like if Jansen gives you a better chance to win on that given day, and it means Kirk in the lineup as well. And if something unforeseen happens where a guy gets hurt, then you figure that out. But uh, I would have liked to have seen it, but I, I do get why Jansen wasn't in there. It's not like, I don't think that that is as far as offenses go by the manager, that is on the, <laughs> the more, uh, I guess, like tame side than some of the bullpen pushing of buttons that we've seen of late. Brad asks at DFA underscore pod, is it too soon to be talking about adding an impact left-handed bat? Not someone like Tapia, Zimmer, et cetera. I'm talking about Votto, Bell, et cetera. A middle of the order bat. I think the lineup needs something to break up the righties. Too easy for opposing bullpens late in the game now. And this is not a recent conversation. I no. feel like we talk about this every single week and we talked about it prior prior to the season and we know the blue jays you know went out and tried to get some lefty bats they were in on you know kyle schwarber of course uh, to whatever degree the freddie freeman stuff jose ramirez you know they tried to bring in a lefty bat and you know i imagine that they're still going to pursue that at some point this season as we get closer to the trade deadline but you know i bang in the bell for a guy like josh bell you know joey Votto. <sighs> I really don't know what to make of that. Uh, you know, if the Blue Jays would actually be interested in bringing him in and, you know, having him as the everyday DH and splitting time with Vlad at first base, like, uh, you know, that's interesting. I think uh, obviously everybody would love it because he's a, a local guy and entertaining as all hell. Uh, but yeah, Josh Bell is interesting to me. Ian Happ, you know, guys like that, um, you know, those are the ones that stand out. Uh, who are you on uh, as, as when it, with regards to lefty bats? I like Ian Happ for sure. A Josh Bell would be good as well. I don't see Joey Votto happening. I know people are saying, you know, Brian Reynolds, switch hitter, good lefty bat. That's not happening. They're not trading for Brian Reynolds. That's just, that's going to cost a lot. And like, I just don't see that as being that realistic. And, and he's struggled this year. That's just, I, I would be really surprised. You know, you could say, oh, well, you package Bednar and, and Reynolds. Those are, I, I just have a hard time seeing that happen. I think, I, I honestly, I really do like Ian Happ. I understand that there's some swing and miss in his game. Versatility, can play infield, can play outfield, power, switch hitter, speed. I like him. I, I don't know what the cost would necessarily be. I think Andrew Benintendi is another mm-hmm. You know, so we talked about this last week. Not a lot of pop necessarily right now, but you know, he is, he can play certainly a good outfield and has good contact skills. And obviously from the left side of the plate hits with runners and scoring position. I don't know if there's, I, I think it's just a correlation to the fact that he's been hitting well, that his runners and scoring position numbers uh, are solid. I think Hap and him are the ones that I think would be atop my list. And then Josh Bell somewhere a little bit below that. Yeah, I've seen other people say, you know, like Tyler Naquin uh, could be an option as an outfielder uh, that could platoon with someone. Uh, I'm, I'm only saying these two guys because they were recent Blue Jays and I'm just looking at numbers right now and they're playing great. But, you know, our boy Rowdy Telez having a nice season for the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, Daniel Vogelbach 
uh, doing Daniel Vogelbach things with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, uh, man, what could have been uh, if those two guys had remained Blue Jays? We don't need to revisit that. Obviously, you know, the Blue Jays uh, got a pretty good de- deal done there, um, you know, for, with uh, Rowdy Telez. But, uh, yeah, just some options that we're looking at potentially for the Blue Jays with regards to lefty bats. I imagine we'll be talking about it until they actually add someone that isn't uh, Rymel Tapia or Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Jays fan. Uh, tweets at us at DFA underscore pod. Uh, when will Teo get going? That would make all the difference. And uh, yes, it would, as we said before. And you look at the numbers, the, the last uh, four games, Josh is now uh, hit safely in four games. Didn't start Sunday's game. Drew a nice little uh, walk as well to, to bring in a run. But uh, again, it's, you know, a guy coming off an oblique injury uh, that was pretty tough and has a track record uh, of the last several years was an all-star last year. Like this guy is uh, going to hit. It is a little concerning that there hasn't been a ton of, you know, pop since he came back from the IL aside from that Homer, I think it was in Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago, but you know, I, I'm honestly not concerned about Teoscar. Like he was hurt. He's working his way back you know, kind of figuring things out. Like it's almost like the start of the season again for him. Cause he didn't play a ton before he got injured yeah. uh, and went on the IL. So, you know, it's just a case of got to give him some time. He's got to get some regular at bats. Uh, he's right in the thick of things when, you know, pitchers around baseball are kind of getting into mid season form. So he's obviously a little bit behind here, but yeah, I'm uh, I, my concern level with Tay Oscar is very low as opposed to my concern level for a guy like Jose Barrios. Yeah, it's, uh, mine, mine uh, it continues to be very low. The same way, you know, with Bo Bichette early in the season when there was a lot of talk about, well, bat him eighth or, or send him down. I know some of that stuff is completely irrational, but he was struggling and you just have to point to a track record. Like I said a little, a little while ago, Teoscar Hernandez didn't all of a sudden forget how to hit. He's just, you know, injuries are tough, especially in oblique. It messes up your timing and, you know, he just hasn't been good, but, Still not a huge sample size of the bats and the last two plus seasons of sample size are big enough that I I think you should look at that as what uh, we can expect from him going forward. Not somebody who has, you know, 225 or 230 on base percentage. That's not something that is remotely sustainable. He's a quality hitter. and, And like I said, a quality power hitter and the perfect fit for the cleanup spot for this lineup. And you just got to, have patience, ride with him, be confident that he's going to find it. And when he does, it's not a question of, for me, if, when he does, I think he, he like Lourdes is, is somebody who can really bring the lineup together and make it so, so difficult to pitch to. So they're like, uh, this is sort of an aside, but you know, you mentioned uh, Teoscar and is being sent down to the minors. Like that's obviously not happening. And we saw Kevin Biggio get, you know, called up this, this weekend to join the blue Jays and, had some moments good and uh, had some moments pretty bad, like uh, taking a two strike fastball down the middle of the plate with the bases loaded. But uh, I digress. But when we're looking at the Bisons, I mean, there are some guys that are doing pretty well down there. A guy like, you know, Nathan Lucas and you know, obviously Gabriel Moreno is heating up. Jordan Groshans is swinging a hot bat right now. I think he hit his first homer of the uh, AAA season uh, either today or the other day. Uh, there are some options down in the minors if the Blue Jays want to go that route and maybe replace a Bradley Zimmer or Rymel Tapia, who, 
like continues to have an OPS under 600, but it feels like he just keeps coming up with big ABs for whatever reason. Like I can't explain it. Like every five games, it's like, here's Rymel Tapia with a big, you know, two run double or a two out hit to drive in a run. It's like, and then you look at his stats and he's like, oh my God, he's still terrible. Like, I don't understand uh, how this makes any sense, but you know, is there anyone down in the minors that you're looking at? If you're the Blue Jays that could come up and maybe, you know, give you a better AB than a Bradley Zimmer, or is it a case where there's just no room? Like you're not going to carry a Nathan Lucas and only play him a few days, or obviously you're not carrying Gabriel Moreno to play him twice a week uh, or a Jordan Groshans. Like it's just, you know, from what I look at internal options, like, you know, maybe a Logan Warmoth if you really wanted to go that route um, instead of a Bradley Zimmer, because you have Tapia, obviously, as a, a lefty outfield bat. You need, you know, a little bit more balance uh, if you need someone coming off the bench in a, in a uh, sorry, a, a Logan Warmoth. Like, that's really the only other player maybe I would look at uh, as it stands right now. Otto Lopez, I know we, we've, we've, um, uh, like talked about him as a, as a possibility. He's struggling though at AAA, and we saw him a bit. Last year, I think he played one game uh, in in 2021. He's struggling though, but his contact skills, maybe that's somebody that could be interesting, you know, infield, outfield. How about uh, Alex, get Alex Smith up here to steal bases and, and do not much else. That's the thing. There's just, there's really not a lot in terms of, you know, ready-made depth options that will come up here and make an impact. And a lot of the guys that you might look at are better served right now getting regular reps in the minors. And if you're talking about somebody like Malik Smith, would you rather have Malik Smith or Bradley Zimmer up here? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. At least uh, Bradley Zimmer could run into one and he plays a good outfield. Malik Smith, you know, is fine defensively, but I, I don't really know what he would provide for you uh, at this stage of his career. So I, I don't think it says all that much uh, that that uh, there's nobody up here, but it, it's it, or no options rather. It's tough, right? Like your minor league system, like those quad A type players that are maybe too good for AAA, but not good enough for the major leagues. They just can't find a spot. Do you bring somebody like that up? He's probably not going to do much, and then you're just left in the same position. That's kind of the challenge of filling out a major league bench it's difficult to find those guys that can produce playing once or twice a week I, I just don't really know what the easy fix is like Corey Dickerson was a perfect fit for that last year hopefully you can find a Corey Dickerson type who can play not necessarily every day like maybe three four times a week and or, or if he needs to barring injury play more regularly and and doesn't skip a beat if he doesn't play for a couple of days because it seems like you know, in addition to maybe just not being all that good Zimmer, if he doesn't play much, it's hard for him to develop any sort of rhythm and he comes in once a week and flails away and doesn't do much. So they, they need to definitely fortify if they can with another quality bat that can be used off the bench or a couple of times a week. Yeah. Like we keep saying, uh, you would think the blue Jays are targeting that. And uh, at some point they'll be able to make that addition, but still, pretty too uh too early in the season to really be yeah. you know making those types of deals i mean just like around baseball we really haven't seen uh, a lot of those at all there's been a lot of like minor small deals uh nothing that's making a, a massive massive impact as always we appreciate the questions at uh, dfa underscore pod on twitter finally time to get to our tay oscars the player of the week we have five nominees for this past week kevin gossman a, a six 
Shutout inning performance, 8Ks at St. Louis. Uh, weekly contributor to the Day Oscars, it feels like Kevin Gossman. Danny Jansen, three homers, an OPS over 1,000. George Springer with a couple of homers, a big one off Shohei Otani uh, the other night in the series opener. Trevor Richards has looked pretty good of late, three scoreless appearances. And uh, Lourdes Goriel Jr., as we mentioned, has started to heat up as well. Big five RBI day on Sunday in the series finale as the Blue Jays get the sweep over the Angels. Who is your Teoscar going to this week, Josh? I believe for the second time this year, I'm giving it to Danny Jansen. Of course. Uh, you know, I'm the Danny Jansen guy. Like you are, the, ride or die. Uh, big time. And I appreciated you shouting me out uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter for that. Good week for him. A lot of good at-bats, a lot of good swings. You know, sometimes in the past when it seems like he's it's all uppercut and he's swinging and missing, trying to swing for the fences, he's a pull hitter right now. That's just who he is. His identity is he's going to try and pull the baseball, get those hands in, try and drive it out. And he's done it to good success. There, there will be some valleys. There's no question. But <clears throat> hopefully he's going to find a way to, you know, maximize those peaks a little bit more. And he's been one of the best catchers in terms of offensive production this year. We talked in the past about how major league wide catchers a wasteland, but the Jays right now have a great situation catching wise, you know, both defensively and offensively Kirk's taken strides. You know, I know Jansen has some framing issues from time to time, but I, I still think of him as an effective enough, valuable defensive catcher. And they're in the top five in a lot of the major categories in, in terms of catchers, uh, major league in terms of major league baseball. So lots to like, I think Danny Jansen, if he can stay healthy, could flirt with 20 home runs. It's really unfortunate that he missed a chunk of time because he's got six and like, you know, 13 or 14 games. I still think he can flirt with it and have a really solid season, you know, maybe a three war type of year. I, I think he could push for that if he can continue to hit anywhere near this clip. Uh, really good to see. And uh, hopefully he can keep it going. Yeah, if only Danny Jansen didn't miss uh, a bunch of time there, maybe we'd be talking about Danny Jansen for uh, All-Star Game mm -hmm. campaign with uh, how he has performed so well. A lot of great candidates this week. Uh, if you didn't take Danny Jansen, I probably would have taken Danny Jansen for my uh, Tay Oscar this week. But, you know, I'll look at a guy that uh, I've been uh, pretty big on and uh, has had a rough month, but uh, a nice little end to the month for Lourdes Goriel Jr. Uh, had three hits in uh, game two of the series against the Angels. And then, as we mentioned, five RBIs on uh, game number four in the series finale drew a couple of bases loaded walks uh, which is nice to see the overall numbers on the season still are not particularly good for Lourdes but as uh, you talked about on uh, Twitter Josh it's uh, only a matter of days until the calendar turns to June and then uh, Teoscar Hernandez becomes Mike Trout uh, at the plate for the rest of the season like it, it truly is uh, incredible uh, when you look at the splits you know I'm looking at them right now March and April for his career, 77 WRC plus May at 72 WRC plus. And then June it's 158. It just doubles yeah. for no apparent reason. And then July he's at 123. He takes another break in August with a 90 and then September. He's just uh, Mr. September 142 WRC plus. So uh, it's so uh, right in line with what Lourdes Creel jr. Has done his career just needs to shake the rust off the spring training rust. And uh, here we go beginning on uh, Tuesday when the uh, Blue Jays take on the White Sox for their next series as the uh, calendar will be shifting over to June later 
in uh, the next few days here. But as always, we appreciate the comments. We appreciate everyone listening to the pod. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. You can get us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod, at Rob Wong 34, and at Jake Goldberg 12. For Josh, I'm Rob. Thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Designated for Assignment podcast, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. 